Hey, 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 this is Sarah Longacre, birth doula since 2000, owner of Bluma, and lover of a good cocktail and great conversation. I got two stools, a full bar, and loads of great people lined up to pull back the curtain with real-life conversation. So let's dive deep and belly up to the bar. Hi, it's Sarah, your host of Belly Up. And yeah, it's been a while. It's been way too long. We took a little break from the recording studio. I hopped in a van and drove around half of the country. I'm enjoying some time with my daughter, but we're back. And we're back with an awesome guest today. I don't know about you, but my 20s were pretty awesome. So I wanted to invite a dear friend to tell me what life is like as a 27-year-old. His views on America, vegetarianism, and a bunch of other really cool things. So wherever you are in this summer journey of 2022, with all the highs and lows that we've had, I would invite you to just listen and have fun. And I'm really excited to be back and connecting with each of you. Enjoy. Hey, 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 it's your host, Sarah Longacre. And let me tell you, I am a I am a big fan of reflecting. I love to reflect back on different parts of my life and what I was doing. And that's why I'm excited about my guest today because he's in a very different stage of his life. And I'm a 46-year-old mom who hangs out with other moms and little people. And I don't have a lot of people in this Gen Z or like late millennial and so I'm always curious, like, what are you guys up to? So I'm going to have my guest introduce himself in a moment, but I, I also just have to say as I'm bellied up with my Bloody Mary and a little beer back, I loved my 20s. Like 25 to 30, ooh, I crushed it. 30s, they're, I don't know, they're fine. 40s, I'm loving the 40s. But I was that kind of person who, like, didn't really love high school, but I loved my 20s and how much growth there is. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today with my guest, Charlie Miller. Charlie Miller is, um, we, yeah. I'm, go introduce yourself. What are you, who are you? Why are you here? What's going on? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hi, everybody. I'm Charlie Miller. Um, I, uh, I've known Sarah a long time. I'm currently living in Scotland. I'm doing my Ph.D., in genetics, um, I'm from Sarah's hometown, also Minnesota, Minneapolis, and I'm excited to be here drinking our Bloody Marys. Yeah, and I just before before we were talking, I just learned so much, you guys, in one morning. Do you know that China only has one time zone? That's right. And yep. how many does Russia have? Eleven, according to my friend from our bonfire last night. So <laughs> you'll have to double check that. So Charlie's home from Scotland. Uh, he's a he's a genius. He's always been not a, sure about that. I, yeah, he's talented. He's the youngest of three. That's right. So this is what I want to talk about today. When we belly up, you are twenty seven, going on twenty eight. Mm -hmm. You're the latest millennial. I think that's right. Yep. And like just on the edge. Just on the edge. You're living in Scotland as a scientist. Trying to be. Okay, so what what do you do? Like what like what is life like living in Scotland 
And in your group, you have oh, 10 people? Uh, I think there's 12 of us. And they're all from? All over the world. No UK, and I'm the only American, so they're all over. South African, Brazilian, two Colombians, French, Turkey, uh, Spain. And what are you learning from these people? Tell me, tell me about what you guys do, what life is life at 28. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a very interesting experience. You know, I was saying to someone recently, um, it may not always be people that you're like, this is someone I want to have a beer with every night for the rest of my life. They're my best friend. But it doesn't really matter because they're so different than you and they have such an incredible you know, life experience that is so different than yours, you could spend hours talking to them and it's no problem because it's so interesting. You know, I mean, there's somebody I was talking to, she grew up in Dubai, then lived in Kenya, and then now she's in Scotland studying the same thing I'm studying. So, Which, it's, which is what? Which is right now my research is on genomics, uh, uh, gene duplication um, research on this. It's just kind of a specific class of mutations. And my model organism, um, the organism I study right now is like a group of plants, uh, a family of plants, which I'm not really a plant person, so that's new to me. But um, really using it as a tool to understand the really complex um, genome structure that this, this phylogeny has. Holy camoli. <laughs> yeah, it's a, little, it's a little in the weeds. I'm just trying to get through my day. Okay, but what do you, so what do you... Can I just ask, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What does a 28-year-old who's studying yeah. in Scotland, like? I mean, I'll tell you, like, so, you know, the probably the default answer would be a professor, right? Yeah. Or, or like a lab director. Yeah. But I would be lying if I say there aren't mornings I wake up and I'm Googling, you know, tons of different jobs. Like, the other day I was Googling UN jobs for, like, refugee camps. You know, you feel like you want to do something more important. And then my family says, you know, you are doing something, you know, worthy, you know. And I'm like, yeah, but... Gosh. Who really cares about plant genomes, you know? Isn't that interesting, though? You were, like, having a pre-midlife crisis, or you're, you're kind yeah. of in that Yeah, so to answer of... your question, I I have no clue. Yeah. Well, guess what? I'm 46, and I have no idea what I'm going <laughs> to be when I grow up. At 28, though, I quit my corporate job at Nike right. and became a full-time doula. Which worked out. Which, because I had the same thing of, like, why am I sitting here with products that are hurting the world? And, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to save the world and become a doula. And you're like, I'm gonna go work in a refugee camp. Well, that was one, that was one <laughs> idea. Yeah, you know, I I think about being just you know a high school teacher would maybe you know be a, a positive impact. Lot you know lots of things. But, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I feel like if I had to roll the if I had to say right now roll the dice, I'd probably say professor back at here in Minnesota at the U would be kind of a dream job. Would be great. Or and then what? So when you're there in Scotland, you're getting a diploma in. Yeah, so it's like a PhD in, in, I believe it will say, molecular cell biology and genetics, I believe. But again, with the PhD, no one's like, there isn't really like, it's not like you're a a major in, it's more about the specific research project. Okay, okay. So then, my other question, you're the only American in this group. Yeah, I'm the only American, yeah. Let's 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 dive deep here. Yeah. Why do are they most mostly between twenty and thirty? Yeah, I would say like in the U.S. If I did a PhD in the U.S., um, I'd probably be middle of the pack, if not a touch on the old side. Okay. But there, I'm the youngest, which is surprising. Oh. So they're probably between twenty-seven and thirty-two, thirty-three. Okay, so America's been through a lot, especially the past. We've been through a lot. And every other country, but, you know, we've got this major issue of gun violence. We have 
are coming off. We're still in recovering from an interesting presidency. What when you sit with your friends? I, I what do know. they say about America? What do they say? <laughs> Why would you go back? Why would you live there? Yeah, I mean, this will probably. Do they really ask that? Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, like one of the, one of the other students is she was planning to move to Berkeley because um, her boyfriend, her long distance boyfriend, lives in Berkeley, and like two months ago, she was like, no. You know, and that's not not happening just because of the news, you know. Because she doesn't feel safe? I think she, yeah, I think she feels like she doesn't want to live in the country and support, you know, the tax on reproductive health care and and gun violence, I think, scares her. You know, I mean, she's a minority, so I think she also feels like she would be a target, you know. She's South African and, and, but, but a Chinese descent, and I feel like she would think... She wouldn't have a home there, you know, which is kind of interesting. But, I, you know, I, I this will be my first hot take of the podcast. But I think I was saying with my friends the other night, you know, I think the U.S. I think there's a couple of things that I've learned in that the U.S., A, we kind of air our laundry out in the open and other countries don't. And the whole world reads our news, right? Like if you're from Finland, you read Finnish news and U.S. news. If you're from Germany, you read German news and U.S. news. They're, Why? Everybody tracks. I mean, I people because we're so entertaining, I think, or because we're so stupid, or because I yeah, I just think that we for history throughout you know the past hundred years or so we've been leaders. Not a great word, but kind of a powerhouse doing things first, and you know we lead culture. You know, a lot of other countries listen to U.S. media and stuff. So, but anyway, so I, I think that's one thing is that you know I think that the U.K. does have serious issues with racism you know, and stuff, but they just don't really talk about it. And it's not in their media all the time. And I think a lot of other countries. So I think the U.S. gets a bad rep is not also not a good phrase, but other countries see the U.S. and you're like, wow, you guys are just on fire. It's a disaster. You know, what's going on over there? But it's, but in really, we we just, we air our laundry. Right. Which I like, honestly, kind of respect. We're dealing with it. We're trying to deal with these issues out in the open. So that's one thing. And the other thing I think is, um, you would think if I moved to Europe, I would get kind of a more respect for Europe and less respect for the U.S., but it's actually been the other way around because I'm also think the U.S., like, you know, uh, my dad said it recently. I thought it was well put, you know, like we're in the game, you know, like we have, uh, you know, a hundred different cultures, if not more, you know, and and tons of different, you know, races, minorities, you know, we have, it's a huge country and, you know, there's people from all different parts of life. And it's like, you know, you Scotland is mostly Scottish people, you know? They well, don't, we did have that term forever called we were like the melting pot, right? Right. So it's like we— But yet we have this major racism. Absolutely. But I, I think that, you know, there are play, I think most places in the world are more racist. It's just it's not pushed. It's not brought to the forefront because there aren't a lot of, you know, there are more homogenous countries. You know, most of the Germans are Germans. And, they you know, they, they really are upset about immigrants coming into their country, you know, which is— I would say xenophobic, but so I think that the U.S. is in a place where they're we're trying to do something incredibly difficult, and other countries really don't have those same challenges. So of course it looks like we're kind of a shit show, you know? Like we're trying to create a country that allows 380 million people who are all completely different, you know? Gosh, thanks for putting that light. That's got a good perspective. I think one example that you have of racism or equality that happened when you were in Scotland is tell 
me about the experience you had trying to get an apartment, a place to live. Oh, so that's, that's I mean, like, one of the big complaints about Scotland, I mean, it's just kind of a, a lighthearted thing, but they're like, bureaucracy is a weird word, but it, it's like everything is so much more difficult than it needs to be. Like, you have to jump through 50 hoops to do anything. So, yeah, the apartment thing is wild. They have all these, like, rules to protect the the renter, the landlord. You can't, you can never meet them face-to-face. You have to go through an agent. Everybody has to go through an agent. I mean, I even had, like, an absurd phone call where I was like, what if I was, a, like, what if I was, like, a celebrity? What if I was, like, you know, Brad Pitt? And I was like, I'll give you $100 million. I'm like, no, you have, ju- you have to go through the application process like everybody else, you know? So you can't meet the landlord and all this stuff. But you have to go down there and you have to have the agent see you Basically, everybody has to. You cannot, I mean, maybe like one of every 500. That's how few. Like, place, I saw like maybe one where you could apply online without meeting them. And you know what? I mean, maybe I'm being a little pessimistic, but my sister who lived in Germany, she says she had friends who she worked with and she felt a similar experience. I think they want you to go out. They want to see you. They want to make a judgment about what kind of person you are and what you look like. And in the U.S., in my opinion, that would not, not fly. You can't do well, that. Well, weren't they, I mean... Like, you literally had to show that you were, oh, uh, yeah, like, a you, Caucasian? You, it was, I mean, you got to answer all the, I mean, they get really invasive, you know. And, and if it's not just, can you pay for it? In the U.S., it's like, hey, you got the money, you got the money. I will give you the place. You know, I lived in New York for a while. That's especially true. They're like, I don't really care where the, you know, where you're getting. We got the money, you got the money. There, it's like, I want to know how much money you made this year, last year. It needs to be X times, you know, rent. But, like, I mean, extremely X times the rent, you know. It's... Yeah. And also culturally, wasn't there some? It's just it's just very difficult. Everything's incredibly difficult. I mean, you know, you want to get health insurance. You know, they've got what universal health insurance, like mm-hmm. sort of, hmm. right? You can't get an appointment. You know, I really? Mean, oh, it's impossible. I did two doctor's appointments when I came back for this week because it's impossible to get an appointment there. You know, it's those pros and cons to those things, but it's just the culture there is very bureaucratic is like kind of the best word I got for it. And I honestly think, again, this is pessimistic, but it's kind of a way to, it gives them a lot of opportunities to deny people if they just don't want to give them support. That's what I'm talking about. They don't want to give you an apartment because they don't like you. There's a lot of opportunities for them to say no. They don't want to give you, you know, if they want to stonewall you on a doctor's appointment because they just don't like you, they have a lot of opportunity. In the U.S., you can't do that. That shit would not fly here. Right, right. So that's, that's an issue I've had and I've actually, you know, I've, I've had a lot of friends who would in the same who had the same experience. They back me up on that. You know? Okay. But again, that's just my personal experience. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of Scots out there who would say that's unfair. So yeah. Well, and also every country has their own deep history and story. Of, Absolutely. You know, but I, it's it, you, that brings to light about America. And I mean, I did pay. You know, an arm and a leg. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, so. <laughs> but you you love to travel. I mean, you've always been a big traveler. Love to travel. Yeah. What, what, at 28, if you could live in any country? 27. Oh my gosh, you're going to be 28 in a couple months. Uh, if I could, sorry, go if to you any. you could live in any country. <laughs> I mean, U.S., but that's not a fun answer. So if I could live in any other country, then hopefully come back here one day. You know, I, you know, I've been telling my family over and over, over and over, I really want to live in a Spanish-speaking country that's not Spain, because I, I like Spain, but I don't love Spain. So, I mean, I would love to live in Mexico. I want to live in Mexico City, which is also a program I looked at. I mean, obviously, the program isn't 
um, on the same level as. Are you fluent as, in Spanish? God no, but I'm. Oh. I, but if there's a language I'm decent at, it's that. I mean, I can read a book, but it would it would take a minute. Oh you know? wow! I, uh, maybe I maybe I backtrack that. No one check me on that, but <laughs> I'm definitely not terrible. So there's a lot of Spanish speaking people in our um, in my program. There's two Colombians. Um, uh, there's the girl from Spain, and like I can, you know, they'll talk, and I understand what they're talking about, oh. and they'll look over and they'll ask, you know, I don't know. But I, I would like, love. Don't talk shit about me. I can yeah, understand you. I would love to live in Mexico, Mexico City, which you know. Have you been? I've never been to Mexico City. No, I've been. <gasps> I've been to lots of places in Mexico. Unfortunately, mostly the resort places. Yeah, that's not Mexico. No, it's not. That's just America. But I would love to live in Buenos Aires. I've been there. That was fantastic. I'd love to live in Chile. I mean, I think Santiago is probably gorgeous. Mm. Never been. Mm. So if I were to live not in the U.S., it's going to be in South or Central America. Yeah. But here's the problem. You're a mama's boy. And my mom is not happy about this idea. Yeah, <laughs> she says no way. Yeah, she wants her. She wants her. She youngest. wants me home. She wants him. Yeah. Well, and your your besties. You know, your best friends. Got, I've got that amazing. What's it like being the youngest of three? And, uh, and and let's and let's be honest. I mean, if I were to get a little teary eyed, so just to tell the audience, I've known Charlie since he was six months old. His mom opened the door. He was. The fattest, chunkiest, most delicious. And now here you are at six what? Uh, six two. Six two, like all all bones. Oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm. Yeah. Yeah. What 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 do you call yourself? They, I I swear you guys used to call me the whale, and no one backs me. No one's like, no, we didn't. And I'm like, I I'm pretty sure you guys. Well, you felt like a whale. Yeah, <laughs> being the youngest. Uh, I think it's, I think it's all pros. I think anybody really? says Cause you got some big shoes to fill. That's true. I mean, it was it definitely felt like going into school. You know, they knew my brother and sister. I think a lot of kids have that story. You know, yeah. that their kids were, their brother and sister were so impressive that they're tough. But yeah. I think being the youngest is great. You love it. Your parents are so relaxed by that. And they're like, ah, oh, we don't care. You know? you know, my brother had all these rules and I, I had nothing. So I liked it. And of course, you know, then you get, I had four years with my parents alone, which was. <laughs> Not always the best, but yeah, now me and my, my parents are super good friends, so which is means a lot to me. Do you think that that's the norm for your age? No. I think when I say that to my friends, they're kind of surprised. Yeah. You know, especially with your mom. I don't know. I don't know. I think I got a couple of friends who are close to their parents, but not like me. Not who are like genuinely like, can't wait to go hang out with my parents, you know, and they're like. Like when your mom and dad come to see you in Scotland, like they hang out. We and, just hang out. Yeah, yeah. and you want to be with them. Do other people in your organ, in your group, do they have their parents? Uh, I mean, they do, but it's definitely more formal. And they did give me a hard time because my my mom visited for about a week <laughs> and a half. Immediately my dad visited for about two weeks. And then my brother and her now husband, who I'm also very good friends with, visited. And they're like. Geez, you're your entire family. And then, of course, right after that, I go home. And they're like, oh, my God. So how do you, I mean, how does, that's just always been important to you. My family? Yeah. And especially lately. Yeah, I would say maybe like. And why Between more lately? 20 and 26, it wasn't. You know, I wasn't as close. Especially my, my, me and my sister weren't as close. Um, I don't know. I mean, COVID's been tough times. You know, we've lost some family members and. Um, well, you've lost three major family members in yeah. your life in about 15 months. Yeah, and maybe that's kind of a sad thing to say that that's something that makes you appreciate your family, but it did, you know. And, uh, you know, it's you can relate to their loss with them. You can't with your friends, you know. So it's like you can be more yourself maybe with them 
through those times. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's lots of things. I mean, also just being in lockdown for, I was living in New York at the time and then lockdown happened. I just graduated my master's and then I took a job at the same university and then lockdown happened. So I went home and I was trapped in my house. I mean, we all took lockdown. We all did super seriously <laughs> for that. Like maybe it was. A little... I know. I heard. I heard your parents even cleaned the groceries. Of course, they we cleaned. Yeah, we're one of those families. Yeah. So I mean, like we didn't leave the house for like three, four months, and I was like, I mean, didn't leave the house. And I was like, wow, this wow. is a good test of whether we actually like each other. Or not. Absolutely, absolutely. And we just barely enough did, I think. So speaking of groceries, you were born and raised in the Midwest, mm -hmm. Wisconsin, and Minnesota ties. How the tell me about when you started the journey of being a vegetarian? Oh, yeah, that's uh, I mean, I don't have a magic thing, I think so. Um, these two people probably don't even know, and there's no way they're probably gonna hear this. But um, I had two friends in high school, Blake and Annie, who I just thought were two of like the coolest people I've ever met. They were vegetarian. I think one of them, Annie, dared me, um, and I did it, and I'll tell you. The real answer is it's really weird going back. So, like, I did it for, like, maybe four or five months. Um, just to be, like, fine, just, I, it's a dare. Yeah, like, kind of, like, just to be, like, you know, just to kind of hang with them and just, like, see if I could do it kind of a thing. And, it, uh, yeah, just, like, going Pure back. pressure of I, a vegetarian is what made you? <laughs> no, they didn't. They, they wouldn't even know that they were the ones who, like, really, like, pushed me. And then, but like. still, it was a dare. It's what started you on the journey. Yeah, I think, it, I think that is. And then, but really it was. Then I would like, when I was like, all right, I'm done with this. Then I would like eat meat like, you know, once a week. I tried to like phase it back in. And I was like, this is weird. You know, I, I didn't like it. So the the big thing for me is it's so, especially in Minnesota, New York, it's a little tougher in Scotland, but it's still pretty easy. It's so, for me, it was so easy that I was like, why, why, would I, why would I eat meat again? You know, like it feels like it, it felt a little guilty. I was like, there's no reason for me to be doing this. It was so easy to be vegetarian in this. I mean, again, I, I have the money to do so. It's not always the cheapest option. So that's a somewhat of a privilege. And I lived in cities where it's super common. But yeah, it was, it was weird going back. I like It was like weird eating meat again. It's like, so I don't need like to do 17? this. No, I was, I was like 20, okay. which is kind of weird because I was living in the fraternity house at the time. So these were friends from high school, but they went to the same college as me. So I was still friends with them. But but I was living in a fraternity house at the time, and, like, my fraternity was, like... Meat. I mean, my fraternity was, like, the fraternity you see on, like, movies. It was, yeah. like, over the top. Those guys were, you know, like, the macho dudes and stuff, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. they're all my best friends, and it's super cool that they, like, kind of accepted me as, you know, we're, like, we're all honestly family at this point. Yeah. Even though I was so incredibly different than a lot of them. Although I think that we've all kind of met in the middle at this point now that we've kind of aged. But anyway... So I was living in a fraternity house and obviously got a lot of shit for it. Like, I'll, you know, like every day it was this huge joke that I got served a different dinner at Monday meeting or something. How good for you. I didn't really care, you know. And like, and, you know, if, you, if you're in those environments, lots of people, they respect you just being you. you. Like, exactly. Don't try and change you to be friends with those people. And I, I feel like, honestly, they respected that even more, which is kind of cool. And when was the last time you ate meat? Last time I know that I ate meat and didn't do anything about it was probably senior year of college, so probably three years after I was started vegetarian. I was with this, I was doing a, a little 
like uh, exchange program with his family in Japan, oh. and they were so sweet, you know. And they didn't speak they didn't speak a word of English, not one word. And I spent like two weeks with them, so and they made me these amazing meals. And what am I gonna do? Break their heart? So like, I remember I ate I made ate octopus, which like to me, if you're gonna eat meat, that's like I mean you can't the octopus. They're so intelligent. Like that's like a I don't even want to like I usually don't. I would never impose my views on other people, but. I tell like don't eat octopus because they're just brilliant. You really? Know? Oh, they're they're yeah, they're incredibly. I love octopus. Yeah, I mean, no I've more, literally no had more. it like three or four times in my life, but yeah. So I remember that I felt super guilty, but I felt so bad. This family they made me these incredible because they were so excited to have oh, absolutely. an American student coming, and, and they were so sweet. And I saw that was probably the last time that I choicefully ate meat. Yeah. Every once in a while, you know, yeah, yeah. Someone will be like, oh, sh- you know, shoot, there's oyster sauce and those dumplings that I thought were vegetarian. I'm like, you know, don't. So you're don't worry about so it. So vegetarian for you is meat and fish. Yeah, no meat, no no animals, no animal product is my so role. So if I were to, add, so but I do eat eggs. Okay, yeah, and so. cheese. And she, so I'm an oval vegetarian. Yeah, which is like the softest version of vegetarian. Yeah, uh, I thought soft would be like you just don't eat meat, but like f- fish. Well, is. I would consider fish to be meat. They're an animal. Yeah. So I'll tell you a funny story. My grandma, who I absolutely <laughs> adore, yeah, I miss dearly. She she. One time I came over to her house and she served chicken. And I was like, Grandma, I'm a vegetarian. I'm really sorry. And she's like, but it's a bird. <laughs> and I was like, I don't need any animals. She's like, birds aren't animals. I was like, yeah, they are. And then the next time she was like super proud. She's like, all right, well, you're not going to do this. She served fish. And I was like, no, 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 no animals. I was like, fish are animals, Grandma. So to me, fish are animals and fish is meat to me. But yeah. So if I were to say to you, Charlie, why are you a vegetarian? Lots of reasons. I would say, A, it's easy. B, it's, you know, good for the environment. I think everybody's probably going to have to be vegetarian one day, if not almost. Um, But C, like, not to be obnoxious, but, like, a little moral, like, a little, like, I don't feel the need to kill things, which I probably do through other actions in my life, driving a car and whatever. But I don't feel the need to excessively eat things just to make my dietary experience somewhat more pleasurable and honestly there's so much good food out there like it's but it doesn't it, it doesn't have to be it, that no way. but like the fact that it's a gorgeous summer day here and i bought the most incredible steak to make for dinner tonight yeah. and that's like gets me excited <laughs> yeah no i'm for sure like i mean again like a reuben sandwich i would i would yeah. kill for one right now i don't i don't mean to like turn into like a, a turn our meeting at the bar as we belly up into a pessimistic or negative but i i am curious 28 years old, 27, 27 going to be 28. See, this is my, Charlie, it's, no, it's really funny 27. Three months before my birthday, I start already saying the next year. That's not good. Why do you do that? Just to prepare myself. I, you know, I, I, I respect that, but I'm very happy to be 27 and not 28. <laughs> okay, so if sorry. you could please okay, sorry, keep that in mind. <laughs> I just, you were born in 94. I, I also don't like that I'm now realizing I'm only three months away from 28. Until today, I was not thinking about <sighs> so that. sorry. Yeah. Okay. What are your biggest, you and you can represent friends or whatnot. What are what are your biggest fears about about the world and yeah. life right now? That's interesting. So someone else like, I mean, didn't ask that exact question, but I mean, my sister on a trip recently asked something similar. And I, you know, like you said, I'm kind of on the edge of the millennials and the gen. I guess it's Gen X is below me. If not, maybe I am technically and, and, Gen X. And do we know what what is Gen? I mean, what does Gen X represent? <laughs> like that weird space between millennials and Gen Zs. I feel like but, maybe. But, but, but what are they know? I, well, I, I mean, Michaela, our producer is. But like, yeah. what are the 
attributes of that? Because let me tell you, I'm just going to be honest. I make so much fun of millennials. Like, I totally put all <laughs> y'all down all the time, but that's because— I thought you were kind of like a— No. Okay. Are you, I don't think so. Then you're that other weird space between millennial and boomer, and I don't know what that space is either. <laughs> we <laughs> have all these weird spaces in between. But, I, yeah, I mean, being being a biologist and someone who obnoxiously their whole life knew they wanted to be a biologist, I, I understand the the crisis that, that I think the Gen Z feels really severely about climate change. But I understand it really more from, like, a, someone showed me this, there's the data. I have to respect the data kind of a thing. I don't really feel it in my gut. What I feel in my gut, which, again, feels a little cheesy, but is, like, the division. Like, it really freaks me out, you know, like. The haves and has not or no, the colors the, or the. Yeah, just just left and right. Like, it just really free And, like, misinformation, you know, like that. I That's that's what I feel like in a more, what's the, like, a visceral. And, like, that's what will maybe keep me up and like it just it just really and just in our country america because i i think no the, the, everywhere like the uk is okay. absolutely dealing with this too like boris wow. johnson and i think it's a reactionary thing in the past but i i mean it just really freaks me out that that people can be pulled so heavily through the internet which i don't think we fully understand its impacts yet i think i mean personally i think we're going to look at the internet one day as like the devil or I was going to say more like drinking, you know, like we, mm. you know, like people in, in or, or smoking, you know, no, more like, more like in the thirties, people just like did it willy nilly because it was great and it was new, it was smoking, mm. you know, and mm. then it took years for them to say, oh, hold on, there's some really negative, you need to do this, if you're going to do it, moderation, you know, so that's kind of how I feel about the internet, you know, there's a safe way to use it. And right now we just kind of discovered it and it's kind of a free for all and we're just gorging ourselves and that's, that's a little dangerous, I'm not saying that it's not absolutely positive information of our parts of the world where they didn't have it that's all positive well i mean you have to remember i have an eight-year-old and when we have a question what does she say mom just google it i'm like no (laughs) no well i mean i think the information out there is generally positive again you have to learn how to how to safely use it and that's the division the division issue for me is just it's scary because i think it's driven by that and i can kind of see how it's driven by you get stuck in this algorithm and Mm -hmm. you know you get in your in your own little you know, Twitter and Instagram bubble, you're never going to see blue. If you're red, you're never going to see blue news. You're never, and if you're red, you're never blue, you never see red news. You know, that freaks me out. And I think that I don't, I personally, I, I freaks me out because I don't see like a good exit other than really slow, long term investment in education. That's kind of the only answer, which is yeah, a it's like, long how do you process. hit rock bottom with yeah. that? So I think the Gen Zs feel climate change, and I I understand that because I'm a biologist or want to be a biologist. And then I think I feel this political divide scares the crap out of me. Yeah, and I you know I just don't really see a way out of it. Hope, I mean, but hopefully we'll fight to get a way out of it. But I I've never I didn't grow up thinking the country was at war with itself, and now I personally do. So. And do you feel that more when you can step away from America and look at it from different eyes? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, 2016 when Trump got elected, I was in college and I felt mm-hmm. it pretty strongly then, you know, and I was still here in the U.S. Yeah, I would say I would say I feel it in a different way because mm-hmm. that finally the U.S. is like, I mean, not sorry, the rest of the world is like the U.S. is on fire. I'm like, I don't really know if anything changed. It's just now those issues are out in the open. I don't, I don't know if there's any more racist people. I don't know if there's any more. You know, uh, uh, divide. You know, 
bad word, but you know, uneducated, you know, people who don't really understand, you know, reproductive rights or, or women's rights. You know, I, I like to think that they're just uneducated or 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 manipulated in some way. That's kind of my optimistic point of view. I don't think there's any more of them. It's just now this issue is brought to the forefront and now we're dealing with it. Yeah. So I think maybe being in Europe made me feel that way. I would think so. I would think so. So are you going to have any children one day? (laughs) I mean, uh, I'd like to. Because I do, I, I do, I, don't know. I, I did hear, That's far hear the, the statistic. I Well, again, I didn't have my first until I was 38, so you got 10 years. Oh, which, by the way, someone said this once um, to me in high school. No, 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 college sometime. She said, Sarah, think about how much you change from 8 to 18. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. And then 18 to 22, and then 22 to 24. Well, then and then she said, you're going to change. And I think I was 20 when she said this because I had like a sorority, big bow in my hair and pearl earrings. And, yeah. And she said, you're going to change that much from 18 to 28. And I just laughed. I was like, there's no way that you I'm totally gonna... do. Oh, my gosh. If not, way, way more. I mean, 8 to 18 is a lot. Yeah. But 18 to 28 is so much. Yeah. And what I have heard the statistic lately is that whatever generation it is, but the poll was taken from 25 to 30-year-olds, and 60% said that they did not want to procreate. Wow. Yeah, because I mean, it, I, of I, climate change and other worries that they're just like, I don't, I don't need to do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to set it in stone right but now. But I mean, do you like, think is are, are, do you you've got a ton of friends getting married? You're totally in uh, wedding zone. Yeah, I think I think that sentiment is for sure more common. You know, I mean, and having less children. I would say my friend group in New York when I lived in New York was way, you know, that that would have resonated with them a lot more. You know, like if I want, if I do have children one day, maybe it's one kid, you know, kind of a thing, and and really in a, in a stable, safe place. Well, in the Minnesota, it's a little more cavalier, you know. My friends are getting married at 27, and I think they're going to have kids. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for me, which is kind of fun, but who knows? Well, it's just always fun to think, too, just like in California, people have kids older. I mean, I know I'm like... Which I think is, you know, I've always thought that was kind of a good thing. I know my sister always told her I would prefer if she'd get married till she's 30, because I don't think people really, like you said, don't really know each other, know themselves until they're... 2930. Well, and you're shit. definitely I, Again, I don't know myself and I'm 46. Right, so. exactly. It sounds like <laughs> yeah. And I think I think you need to This is kind of a, a view I used to have when I was younger, but I think I I think I probably still agree with that. I think you need to kind of have something pretty serious in your life that you need to like fight claw your way back from whether that's emotional or god, I don't know, financial or whatever. Mm-hmm. Before you can have a kid, if your life has been rosy, until you're 22, you know, just absolutely smooth sailing. His parents took care of everything. You have a kid. I'm like, whoa, you are. What nope. are you going to teach this kid? Nope. You can't teach this kid anything. You haven't learned anything for yourself. Nope. That's probably, I mean, I'm probably in that boat right now, you know. So you need to you need to really go through some serious things, I think, before you can raise a kid, in my opinion. You you have, I mean, I couldn't agree I'm 27 more. and I'm, I'm probably the only guest you've had that's telling people how they should raise their kids. No, absolutely not. So that's probably not the right way to go about it. But Wise words from a young man who's doing great things. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. Yes. I can do that. Life is short. Too short. It is. It goes pretty damn fast, especially when you had a big year of a lot of losses, Charlie. Yeah. Thanks for bellying up with us today. Thank you. Thank you for uh, <clears throat> shedding a little light on 
1527 in Scotland. At least my experience. Again, I can't speak for everybody. Well, and also just that idea that like actually maybe America's actually just doing what everybody else is trying to do. We're, we're just trying. Open about we're, it. we're we're trying. Yeah. I think I like to think. You know, I know. It's just this this last this last Texas incident. It's unbelievable. Just, it's just it's a pain. It's just it's been years and years of when are we going to start making progress? You know, and it's like when are we going to start seeing it? Yeah. Not not doesn't feel like yet, but hopefully soon. Yeah, that's. Yeah, but it's like, what else is it going to take? I don't know. Yeah. Well. Serious change. Younger generation. You know, I got a lot of hope in the younger generation. See, and I have. Yeah, I got hope in you, dude. <laughs> oh, no, I'm the old generation now. <laughs> Lorsky. All right, you guys. As we always do, if you are available, close your eyes, take a deep breath. Maybe picture yourself at 27. Ah. Oh. And uh, just being grateful for learning and growing and take a deep breath, remembering that whatever journey you are on, you are so needed and so wanted and you were born for a reason. Charlie Miller, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thank you. Yeah. Mwah. Goodbye, everyone. Have an awesome day. Lots of love from us in Minneapolis to all of you around the world because Charlie's going to share this with all of his friends. <laughs> mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Check you later. Mwah. Hey, hey, hey. This is Meta. Belly up with my mom, Sarah Longacre. And please subscribe, like, and share some belly up love. Belly Up is a Bluma production. It's produced by the one and only Michaela Finnegan at Minnehaha Recording Company. Hi, this is Mary from Bluma. Thank you so much for being part of the Bluma community. We're so happy you're here. We love hearing from our families, and as a small business, one of the most powerful things you can do is share your stories with us. I love when you take us on Instagram, leave a Google review, or email me your birth story or photos from class. This is a great way that we can share the Bluma love and reach new folks who could use a little Bluma in their lives. Find us at Bluma.com.